Hello, my friend. Welcome back to the Wayfair Podcast. I'm Tom Pedro. Thank you so much for joining me again today on our chapter day journey. We're in Luke chapter 14, and it was verses 10 through 11 that resonated with me. Jesus is teaching, and he says, But when you are invited to dinner, take the lowest place at the table, so that when your host comes in, he'll say to you, Friend, move up here to a better place. Sit at my right hand. Well, then you'll be honored in the presence of all the other guests. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Today's podcast is entitled, Choosing Humility. Now, before getting into today's chapter of day thoughts, quick update from the Vanderwell Homefront. As faithful listeners know, I love my morning quiet time, and it's out of that morning quiet that these chapter-a-day podcasts spring. Just a few nights ago, our daughter and her family moved back to the United States from the UK, as in they moved, moved into our house for the indeterminate future. Now, Yaya, Wendy, and I are so excited about this. After our grandkids lived an ocean away for five years, we are over the moon to have them just an arm length away from a cuddle or a hug. However, the empty nest will be a three-generation household for a while with grandchildren whose bodies are still on UK time, where midnight to us is 6 a.m. to their wee brains. So, my morning quiet the past few days has turned into playtime and doing the Macarena. And if you would like to see the grandkids doing the Macarena, visit the post at TomBanderwell.com. There's a little video there for you. So please know that my chapter day posts and podcasts may be published sporadically for at least a few weeks until the holidays are over and life settles into a routine for the household. And it may be a little more sporadic after that, too. It's a semi-controlled chaos for the near future. So thank you for your patience and understanding. Now, speaking of hospitality, in today's chapter, Jesus is a dinner guest at the home of a prominent local Pharisee. Jesus is drawing crowds that number in the thousands. So the Pharisee's dinner attracts a lot of local and prominent people. I find it fascinating that one host found Jesus to be a rude and impudent guest, and you'll find that in a podcast a few days ago. But the invitations apparently kept coming and having different results. At this particular dinner party, Jesus watches as guests clamored and connived for the seats of honor at the head of their host's tables. Jesus used the moment to teach a lesson. Basically, look, if you have a place of honor for yourself and you just take that for yourself as though you deserve it and your host tells you, hey, look, will you please move down to the one spot that's left there at the foot of the table because someone more important deserves this seat of honor? Well, your desire to be seen as the most prominent person in the room will turn into the exact opposite. You'll be embarrassed be humiliated as you make the walk of shame from the seat you gave yourself and slink to the only open seat as far from the seat of honor as possible. If, however, Jesus says, you come in and you're just content to take that lowly seat at the foot of the table, 
and your host comes and says, no, 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 my friend, please come up here to the head of the table and sit at my right hand. Well, then everyone at the dinner is going to notice as you are escorted to the prominent place of honor. What fascinated me this morning is that later in the chapter, Jesus seems to extend this same lesson about humility when he turns to the crowds and says, whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. Now, this is a really well-known statement that Jesus makes, and it kind of loses its power, its meaning, when we hear it today versus what it meant for those crowds that Jesus said it to in that moment. So the Romans, who were in control of the country where Jesus lived, they were able to rule the empire for centuries, in part because they found the most cruel and heinous ways of suppressing dissent and crime and rebellion. For example, Romans would tie a person, hands and feet, to the back of two different chariots and then drive them in the opposite direction until the person was quite literally pulled apart. Other victims of Rome would have molten metal poured into their mouths. One of Rome's more creative means of torture and execution was to tie a person into this huge sack, and then they would throw into the sack a snake, a monkey, a dog, and a rooster, and throw the whole sack tied up into the river. So these wild animals would tear the person apart in their terror as they drowned. According to the ancient philosopher Seneca, however, it was crucifixion the cross, that was the worst torture of all. In his Moral Letters, number 101, Seneca writes, Is there really such a thing as a person who would prefer wasting away in pain on a cross rather than dying quickly? Would anyone be willing to choose to be fastened to that cursed tree, especially after the beating that left him deathly weak, deformed, swelling with vicious welts on shoulders and chest and struggling? to draw every last breath, end quote. In separate writings, Seneca described how each crucifixion could vary depending on the executioner with different ways to sadistically amp up the pain and the suffering of the victim. He writes in his dialogue to Marcia on Consolation, quote, I see right in front of me different kinds of crosses made by different people. Some hang their victims upside down. Some impale them through the private parts. Others stretch out their arms onto forked poles. I see ropes, whips, and tools of torture crafted for specific limbs and joints. Quote. In Jesus' day, crucifixion, it was a very common and public spectacle. Romans crucified people all the time, and they typically had people crucified along the road just outside of a town or a city. So as Jesus and his followers are making their way to Jerusalem town by town, they would pass crucified individuals tortured and hanging on crosses. 
They were humiliated and forced to carry themselves to the place of execution. In fact, I think it's very reasonable that Jesus may have been making his way, walking out of a town with his disciples, his entourage, and the crowds, when he comes upon the sight of a criminal carrying his cross under a Roman guard. Imagine this sight caused Jesus to turn to the crowds, to point at the man carrying his cross and say, whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. So I see this connection between this moment, whoever does not carry their cross, and his teaching at the Pharisees' dinner party previously, maybe even the previous night. Jesus said that humbly accepting the lowest position, even at the risk of social humility, was what his followers should do. He then doubles down on this teaching by pointing to a bloody victim of torture in complete agony, dragging the cross on which he will be killed, and says, this is what you must do to be my disciple. So in the few seconds of quiet I had this morning between the unrelenting barrage of a six-year-old's questions and dancing the Macarena, I found myself thinking about my own willingness to choose humility in a world that is all about popularity, likes, followers, status, and influence. How do I willingly choose into the lowest rung on the ladder, the foot of the table, or carrying a cross today. On this day, and the upcoming weekend of semi-controlled chaos and holiday festivities and family gatherings and friend gatherings and hoopla, how can I tangibly choose the attitude and the consequential behaviors of humility that Jesus desires of me? I hope you have a very Merry Christmas, my friend. Thank you for reading and following and listening to this podcast. I am grateful for you, wherever this finds you. And if you don't see that I've posted or published a podcast in the weeks ahead, just know that I'm probably doing the Macarena with my grandkids. Have a Merry Christmas. Lord willing, I'll be back here on Tuesday. We'll see. Hope you'll join me.